0: From our gospel, it's clear that being a Christian in those days, as in these days, is not easy. But God has established an agreement with us, a covenant with us as followers of Christ. And God does this because God is a covenant maker and God is a covenant keeper. Part of the covenant that God makes with us through Jesus are the consequences of justification, the consequences of his saving grace. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Consequences. I thought that consequences are usually bad things resulting from things that we bring upon ourselves, actions that we do. Well, That's true, but not always. See, consequences are simply the ordered results that occur from an action. And the action, if it's saying yes to Jesus, has consequences. What are the consequences of saying yes to Jesus? Thursday. I baptized that young lady that I told you about who came to a relationship with Christ. As the Holy Spirit moved her to be baptized after hearing the message that I shared at the chapel service at the clinic ministry. The one that I told about Charles Jones and his grandchildren coming to know Christ and being baptized right here in this church. Well, that young lady we baptized uh, last Thursday. And that ripple effect of the grace of God moving through his people that led this young lady to a relationship with Christ. Well, as a result of one man's obedience, making sure his grandchildren knew who Jesus was and them accepting Jesus and being baptized... That had an inspirational effect, the breathing in of the Holy Spirit on this young woman, and she accepted Jesus, and now she begins a lifelong journey of sanctification as she grows in her relationship with Christ and grows to be more like Him. So it's an interesting question. How is that sanctifying grace made possible in her life? Well, it's made possible because the saving grace of God, the justifying grace of God has consequences. When we say yes to Jesus, things are set in motion. When we say yes to Christ, stuff happens. And Paul has some things to say about that in our epistle this morning. In Romans 5, Paul writes... Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's great, Pastor. What does all that mean? Well, it begins with the word therefore, which is a sure sign that everything that comes before that therefore in Romans is significant. See, whenever I see a therefore, I read the passage, and then I put that passage in context by seeing what was written in the preceding passages. This is important, because in Romans 1-4, through I see that the statement that Paul makes here, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God it summarizes the first four chapters in Romans. He's saying that those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ can be assured that their faith in Him has been credited to them as righteousness. You have righteousness on your account when you express faith, when you confess faith, when you have Jesus in your heart as your Savior. We can have confidence, we can have assurance of that because of what Christ did for us on the cross, taking our sins upon himself and then being raised again so that he could exchange our sins for his righteousness. And the assurance that Paul speaks of gives us something that I want to be sure and not understate. Because Paul says that assurance in our being made right with God through Jesus gives us peace. Let me say that again. The assurance in our being made right with God through Jesus gives us peace. (laughs) I want to dwell for a few minutes on that word peace. I think we should meditate on what Paul is writing here about peace. See, we tend to think of peace as the absence of chaos. We think of it as the absence of conflict, the absence of war. But see, peace is so much more than the absence of something. Think about that. Peace is more Than the void created by something missing in our lives. Peace is much richer than that. For those that follow Jesus. Peace is much more full than that. For those that have Jesus in their hearts. Peace is a consequence of justification. Peace is what happens when we are transformed by the saving grace of God through Jesus. It is the consequence of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in each of us. Peace with God is the first consequence of the saving grace of God that we call justification. Now, as we talked about last week, Before we accept Jesus, we're formless and void. you remember that? But when we accept Jesus, the peace of God enters us with the Holy Spirit. Not just filling that hole in our soul. Making the hole level. No, not just making it level, but filling our hearts to overflowing with newness. A new relationship with God. It's not just a state of inner tranquility, but more than that, it's an overflowing grace that gives us a purpose, gives us an objective, a goal. The saving grace of God transforms us completely and we are no longer under that oppressive weight of sin, but now we can move around freely and move freely forward into this new life that we have in Christ to grow To glorification. When we become Christ-like. Usually happens after we pass from this life. Don't know anybody that's achieved it beforehand. But the goal is glorification. And we do that by sanctifying grace. So you have prevenient grace, which is that grace that each of us enjoy just by being created by a God who loves us. Provenient grace comes before saving grace. We may not have made a choice for Jesus yet, but God loves us anyway and is working through the Holy Spirit to get everybody committed to Christ. And then we have saving grace or justifying grace, which is when we say yes to Jesus. And then after that, once we say yes, then the Holy Spirit goes to work on us and in us to sanctify us, to make us like Christ until one day we can be like him and be glorified in heaven. See how that works? The Holy Spirit works in us to accomplish this missional sending of God who saved us, to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Peace is the assurance of salvation. We know that we know that we know that we're saved. Peace is the assurance of salvation and the anointing on us for fulfilling the purpose that God has for you as a minister of the faith. You see how peace is much more than just the absence of chaos? So if the peace of God is the first consequence of that saving grace, what's the second? Well, Paul says in Ephesians 2.18 that through Jesus, we have access in one Spirit to God the Father. You see, before we accept Jesus, we don't have access to God the Father. We don't have access into the throne room of God without Jesus. But when we make the choice for Christ, we have access to the Father Through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, our intercessor, who even now sits at God's right hand. Access is everything. Access is everything. Relationship with the Father requires righteousness on our part. And righteousness is something that's unobtainable by us on our own because of the brokenness that we live in, this human condition called sin. We can't be good enough. We can't earn access. We can't work our way into the throne room. Our only righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus, which he exchanged for our sin on the cross. Is that clear? You don't get into the throne room without going through Jesus the Savior. It cannot be done. Choosing Jesus is the only access to God the Father and the relationship that we access leads us to rejoice. Why do we rejoice? We rejoice because we now have hope. We now have hope of sharing in the glory of God and sharing in the glory of God is the third consequence of saving grace peace, access, and hope. By the saving grace of God, we now have the hope of redemption, the hope of returning to the glory for which God created us in the first place. We rejoice in our hope, but Paul says we also rejoice in our suffering. That's an interesting concept, I think. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, Paul says. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so as I think of the young lady that was baptized Lex. Thursday, and I won't divulge her secrets, but I can tell you that she has been through some suffering in her life. And it makes you think, am I suffering? I can ask you the same question. Are you suffering this morning? Can can we just be a little bit real and honest here this morning? Can we do that together here this morning in this holy place that's been set apart for the equipping of the saints, that's you, in this little church that does so much for the kingdom in this community? Can we be honest with one another this morning and just say that we know that most of us here are suffering in one way or another? It's a little bit of realism this morning, isn't it? Some of us are suffering from illness. Some of us from financial hardship. Some of us from relationship issues, family issues, things from our past that we would prefer not to bring up in polite company. I'm not looking at anyone in particular, but all of us have something. I'm sure that we would rather not advertise. I know I do. Can we just drop the walls here for a moment that we have built up over the years to insulate us from our suffering? Because this is your community of faith and you are among friends this morning. Now, I don't want everybody to stand up and tell me what you're suffering from, I know. I know a good many things that people are suffering from, just like this young lady that was baptized. We all suffer from one thing over another. And I want to assure you this morning that God did not cause the suffering. Is that clear? God does not cause suffering. The broken, fallen world in which we live, the sinful nature of humankind since the fall, and while we're being honest, some of our own choices have caused us suffering. But see, there's good news. And this is what I am trying to equip You, the saints, the ministers of the faith, to carry into this community because of your suffering, the stuff that's in your past, the stuff that you're dealing with now, you are the perfect witness of Jesus Christ in the community. Do you realize you don't have to be perfect and holy and righteous out there to be a witness for Christ? It's not what you did. It's not what you're doing. It's who you know. It's who you have relationship with. That means everything. Access, relationship, peace, knowing whose you are. When you put Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior, God can use that. God does use that. Because that honors God. God can walk with you through all of that to produce endurance, which builds character, which produces hope, the hope which will never ever disappoint because the love of God has been poured. Poured. Not trickled, not eyedroppered, not sprinkled. Poured like an overflowing fountain into your heart through the Holy Spirit which has been given to you. God will use that stuff as a witness in the community to bring others to Christ. Which is why I implore you, be honest. Here this morning, Take that stuff, whatever it is, that pain, that brokenness, whatever it is. And when we have reflection time this morning and you come up for communion, which, by the way, is on either side of the rail and has been blessed already. When you come up to the rail during reflection time, I want you to leave that stuff here at the rail. Leave it on the capable shoulders of Jesus. His shoulders are way bigger than yours. And He is asking you to do that. Leave the stuff here. And then take your testimony out there. Being a witness for Christ doesn't mean you carry the stuff. It means you carry the testimony. The stuff stays here. Jesus wants it. Give it to him. Rejoice in that suffering you are in the midst of this morning. Rejoice because it produces hope. Rejoice because you have the peace of God. Rejoice because you have access to the throne room. Rejoice because the hope of God is yours no matter what has been, what is, or will to come in your life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.